0: I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today on the show, we are doing our offseason report card series on the cornerback back position and we are going to focus heavily on the draft because I think that is the part that is most uncertain at this point in time there are still free agents out there and we're going to talk a little bit about them we all know what the situation was with the cornerback position uh, this past season and so I want to I want to save that stuff um, because while relatively interesting, I suppose, you're here to talk about the corners in this draft, right? That's what you're here to do. And so I want to focus on them here today. So for me, the best corner of the draft is JC Horn. And he is a press man corner who is I, I think he's underrated as his own corner. But the thing that, that he can do is just take you away. He can he can be a true eraser, a physical, tenacious defender. And one of the things that you have to have, and we talked about this with Eric Crocker, I need dogs. You got to be a dog to play corner. You have to have that mentality. And Asante Samuel Jr., who we'll talk about in a second, he has that mentality. You need to have that swagger, that confidence, that attitude. You need to play with a little bit of an edge. And frankly, I would love to see Kevin King do that. I think Kevin King's game could be elevated so much if he just played with a little bit more tenacity. If he played with the same sort of uh, alpha mentality that Jair Alexander had, Kevin King could be a good player. And I don't know if it's confidence. I don't know if it's the athletic ability has just waned a little bit on him or what it is. But I, I think that 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 is something that if you're talking about cornerbacks, that is such a vital thing. JC Horn is almost certainly going to be off the board. So I don't think it's worth spending a ton of time talking about him. But I think he's the best corner in the draft. Eric Crocker agrees. If they're in position... You know, If if for some reason Horn is there at 21, 22, something like that, you go up and get him. You go up and get him. He's that good. He is a legit top 10, top 8 type talent in this draft, a, a bona fide uh, future potential Pro Bowl type corner. And if he is really going to go as cornerback three in this draft, move up to get him. The, the Packers are in position to do that. And I know that corners are probably not going to be good right away. A handful every year are are decent to good. Uh, most of them are not. Corners especially struggle. Horn is the kind of guy though that even if he you know has some early struggles, we saw this with Cam Dantzler in Minnesota, had some some real problems the first six eight weeks, and by the second half of the season was playing like a solid NFL player. If the Packers get that from their corner that they draft, and they're going to draft one in the top hundred. Then you're doing a good job, and so if you're it was, you always have to pick the right player, right? Um, if they pick the right player, remember Jair Alexander, he really, really came on that second half of his rookie season, and he played well, you know, throughout. He, he went through some growing pains in there, and that's going to happen. It's going to happen of any corner you take, but by the end of the season, by the playoffs, you're not a you're not a rookie anymore, and you have someone like Horn in position. I know you have to give up assets. You probably don't have to give up a ton to move into you know, the low 20s. If he gets CD Lambed for some reason, and I can't imagine why he would, you move up. You move up to get him. Another guy who I think Green Bay is going to be in a position to take or or to trade up to take is Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley is my CB2 in this draft. He was essentially the no-doubt cornerback one in this class for a while. Um did not play in 2020. In 2019 he put on a show. And he is fast, he's huge, 6'2 207. And my comp for him was Kyle Fuller, but could be Jalen Ramsey. That's how good he can be. Had a had a zone grade by Pro Football Focus almost 92. I mean, that is that is super elite and he he can be a little grabby at the top of his routes but i think that his ceiling his ceiling is is kind of unbelievable he he could be i mean he really could be jalen ramsey now does he have the temperament i don't know he, he does play with the swagger he plays with that my ball mentality when the ball is in the air fights through the catch point he doesn't have to be the alpha uh, Jair Alexander is that, but he could be. I mean, this could be the best secondary in football with with either of the two guys I just mentioned, with the safeties that that are already on this team. You really could be looking at the best secondary in the league, and I think that is something worth considering. Now, the back injury is a real thing. He had um, a surgery to relieve some pressure. He had a little com- disc compression. And um, in, in a, a different spot in his back and ended up having to have surgery on another spot. You never like to hear that with a back. Those are things that can linger. Those are things that seem to never really go away. Uh, so that would be the concern there. Is it like with someone like Micah Parsons that if the Packers are in a position to draft him, you don't want to draft him? Maybe, maybe now Apparently, the back surgery went well. He was doing extremely well in training, and it seems like it was the kind of thing that they went went in to clean up just so he didn't have any problems in the NFL. If all of the medicals check out and he's there in in the 20s, I'm going to get him just because of what the upside could be. I mean, he could be special. I think JC Horn could be special. Those are the two guys in this draft class that I am most excited about. I I would be pretty surprised if the Packers were in position to take Horn even in a trade up. I, mean, I think he could go he could go to 10 at that, with Dallas. Uh I think he could go 9 with Denver even though that's a Fangio scheme and they just signed Kyle Fuller. I just think that that Horn and and Farley have a chance to be special, and so if you if you could move up to get them, you do that. One thing I want to mention here: Patrick Sertain, um is not one of my favorite corners in this draft. I have him at cornerback six. I've watched um, most of the top guys. I've watched. Basically, all the guys that you've seen projected in the first round. round—not basically, I have seen all of them and and then some. And there are there are plenty of guys to be excited about. Sertain is just not one of them. Um, I, I think, you know, if he fell. Yeah, great. If he's there at 29, you take him and you don't worry about it. I have him as a top 30 type player, just not type top 10 where he's being projected right now. And, you know, that's that's the difference. Now, the rest of my board is going to look is going to look different. It's going to look weird because it it just doesn't look like everyone else's. So my third cornerback in the draft is Asante Samuel. I know he didn't he didn't come in big. He didn't test great. He's an okay athlete. And I'm not convinced he's going to be on the board for Green Bay just because um, of the the size. He's, you know, 5'10", 185, something like that. Um, Jair Alexander was 5'10", and change 190 plus, 193, I believe, in Indy. It, it's not the same. He doesn't have the same sort of quick twitch. He doesn't have the same sort of explosive athleticism. And so I I would be surprised if Green Bay went that direction. But I think whoever drafts Asante Samuel is going to be very happy that they did that. He is a damn good football player. And ultimately, these picks, they have to work out. You have to get good football players. And I understand chasing ceiling and upside and all that stuff. And and I am certainly guilty of it. I think it's actually prudent to do. It is important that, that guys you take, especially in the first round, that you believe in their potential. That you believe in their ability to be not, not just okay, not just solid, but good to great players. That is the goal of a first round pick. Is to get you know a, a legitimate, a guy who has the potential to be one of the 10 best guys in his position in the league. I do think Asante Samuel has that. It's just there are some mitigating factors. If you if you think he's going to be an outlier, and I, I think I do, I trust the bloodlines, I trust the playmaking, I trust the intelligence and the instincts and all that, and the tackling at his size, I'm just not worried about anything else. I don't know that Green Bay is going to like him as a first-round pick. Now, there's two guys after that that I have pretty close and that the the draft industrial complex does not have pretty close. And they are Ifatou Melifanwu and Greg Newsom the second. Now I think Greg Newsom would be a little higher, if not for injuries. I think if not for injuries, you could make the case. At least for me, he would be CB two CB three, but the injuries are a real concern. If for no other reason, then, we just haven't seen him put it all together. We just haven't seen him put it on tape consistently. He didn't get a full game against Justin Fields. We didn't see him in the playoff against Alabama or Clemson or some of these teams that have premier skill talent on all sides of the field where you're not going to get off the hook if you don't play to Wop Feiler's side one day or you don't play to Nico Collins' side one day. You You get off the hook a little bit. That is, it is a question of sample and a question of risk with Greg Newsom. But I, I do, because I, I think Greg Newsom is going to be a guy that a lot of Packer fans are interested in. I want to just, I want to just give my ultimate, you know, there's a lot of um, traits that we're going to go through if the, if the Packers pick them and ultimately, you know, we'll, we'll do all of the explanations. But this is just the bottom line for me on Newsom. There's not a ton of recent tape on Newsom, and injuries are going to dog him. Those questions, pure talent and athleticism are not a question. If he played every game in 2020, he might be a lock top 20 pick, but he didn't, so he's not. He's tall, lanky, aggressive, smart, and feisty. He'll drive you into the dirt on a tackle and fight with you at the catch point. I love the demeanor, the swagger, plus he blew away his pro day with low four threes in the 40. If he can stay healthy, he can be a really good player. But if he can't, that's where the questions come in. And so because we haven't seen it, I have him in you know that sort of late first, early second. I have him right now, and this is all subject to change, as something like the 26th, the best player in the draft. So if the Packers get him at 29, that is great for them. Now, the off-the-beaten-path name, and this is gonna this is gonna surprise some people, I think. I think Ifatsu Melifanwu is a legitimate first round pick. I think the talent, the athleticism, I mean, he's 62, 205, runs in the 44s four at his pro day, 41 and a half inch vertical and an 112 broad. He had pro football focus grades above 70 in man and zone and he went up against some really good players some really good players i mean ran step for step with diami brown against north carolina not many guys did that he ran step for step with the clemson guys um and and all of the the talent that they bring to bear He made a great play against Clemson to get a TFL on a receiver screen, and he just bullied the receiver to make the tackle. One of the reasons why people think he might be a safety is because he made so many tackles, had over 50 tackles last year at Syracuse. Well, okay. He can play corner and he can play safety. Maybe he could play at least in zone in the nickel. Man, that sounds like, and he's a freak athlete. I mean, he's he's huge and and can run and will attack you at the catch point. Yeah, that sounds like a guy you would want on your team. Here is my bottom line on Melly. Melly Fano is a versatile DB who can play cornerback or safety. I think you're wasting his athleticism and length at safety and could certainly play him in man coverage versus tight ends if you wanted to maximize his size in particular matchups. As a zone corner this is important, right? As a zone corner, he has it all. He lacks elite ball skills when it comes to actually making catches. He doesn't have terrific hands. But when he's in position to play the ball, he consistently does it. And his length and strength show up. If he played at a bigger school, there'd be no question about his spot in the draft. He's a legit first-round pick who could become one of the better corners in the league. He lacks the elite playmaking skills on the ball. But he's so big and so athletic and so steady in all phases. Terrific tackler. He doesn't have to be Darrell Rivas to be a good player in the NFL. His size, tackling, and intelligence give him a high floor in addition to the athletic traits providing a high ceiling. That is a first-round pick. That is that is the profile of a first-round pick. If you have a high floor, if, if I'm confident that you are not going to suck and you show the traits to have the ceiling of a really good high-end player in the NFL. You're a first-round pick. So does he have great hands? No. If he had great hands, he'd play receiver. I mean, it, that that's just sort of how this works. I mean, Jair Alexander, I thought he had good ball skills in the NFL. He can't stop dropping interceptions. Guess what? He's one of the three best cornerbacks in football because he does everything else. He tackles. He plays smart. He comes off his guy to make plays. And and Melly, I, I counted at least two interceptions that he created with pass breakups on slants, on inbreakers in the middle of the field. He made a play on the ball, got his hand on it, poked it away, and it turned into the hands of Andre Sisko, whoever the, the waiting defender was. And in fact, he created an interception against North Carolina, against Diami Brown running deep with him, and Sam Howell underthrew it a bit, but Dayami was not in position to make a play because Malley was all over him. Cisco gets the pick. Now, the one play he gave up to Dayami, he nearly dislodged the ball making the tackle. This is the player that you're getting. I just really like the games that he put together in the ACC. I thought he played really, really well against Clemson, and he doesn't even have to be in perfect position to make these plays because he's so long and so explosive. So, he's not getting the kind of love in in, you know, the big draft circles. But this is a really really good football player. Now, now there are a couple guys I like on day 2 and we're going to talk about them right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. College basketball is wrapping up, but that means baseball is almost here. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. You can bet on the NFL draft with all the props you could ever ever need bet online has you covered go to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit just for being a locked on listener use the promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus you put money in they match it up to 50% it's that easy just because you listen to our show bet online your online sportsbook experts one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. So the guys in in, in on day two that I really like, and there are a couple of them, some players that I don't think are being mentioned enough. So... Sertan's going to go early. Eric Stokes probably going to go early. Doesn't bother me because I don't think it's going to be to Green Bay, and I don't love his game. I like it, but the athletic tools are—he are, is—he is less than the sum of his parts. The whole is less than the sum of his parts. He's a lot of really good traits. He's—he's he's tall. He's long. He's super athletic. He's got good ball skills, but ultimately he leaves me cold. There is this cluster of guys. In the 40s, I like Stokes, Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky. I really like his game. And Tyson Campbell from Georgia. I have them all in that sort of 45 to 50 range. And I'm not seeing enough about Kelvin Joseph. LSU transfer. He was really good at Kentucky. And I think he suffers from the same sort of thing as Malafonwu. He just didn't play at the premier school. And so he's not getting the premier buzz. And it's just really one season of high-level play so that's something to keep in mind Elijah Molden is another guy um, that I I think the the Packers are going to like even if he's a little small he does have that dog in him he can play safety he can play nickel my my guess is he's going to go before Green Bay can pick in the second but if they picked him in the first honestly I wouldn't be that surprised because he's kind of a two birds with one stone guy you have King right he can play the boundary now you're getting this nickel safety who can play nickel. He can play safety, and if you know if he's not ready to play right away, you still have Chan Sullivan, and he can be your your third safety, and and play some nickel, play some dime nickel. You know, he can play in the slot and dime, or whatever it is, would give you a lot of flexibility. There are some guys like that. Javon Holland is the same sort of way with Oregon, and maybe you get a, a boundary corner later. There are some you know sort of day three guys you know, um, who are big bodied and maybe they're developmental boundary corners. There are also a couple, you know, a couple other slot guys, Aaron Robinson um, at UCF, Richie Grant, who is a safety nickel kind of hybrid type. A lot of these safeties can do a little bit of of everything. And that's something that that I think Green Bay, you know, early on, if they get Trevon, you know, Trevon Merig, he's someone who could play in the slot and so maybe you wait. You have Kevin King on the edge and you, and you wait until day 2 for Trill Williams from Syracuse, who I also really like. There are some guys on day 2, they can't all go. They can't all go. So I could see the Packers being in a position at 29 going yeah, we, we sort of don't love this group of guys at this pick. But if there's a team that wants to come up for this edge rusher, you know, Greg Rousseau is still on the board, or they want to come up because they love Jalen Mayfield and they want to come up and get him, or they they really want Nick Bolton, the linebacker from Missouri, or something like that. Or they want to get, you know, Liam Eikenberg, the tackle from Notre Dame. And, and Green Bay doesn't love those guys, right? But they really like that cluster of guys in the 40s that I mentioned. Stokes, Joseph, Campbell. That could be a strategy worth employing. And I think that's something that Green Bay will, you know, look into when they when they get the opportunity. Um, it, when, when the draft rolls around, it's all, you know, related to what the options are. And you you can't make these decisions until we see what the options actually are. They have a lot of good ones in the draft. There are some really, really good players in the draft, and they are going to be in a position to pick some of them. I'm fascinated to see how they how they look at Asante Samuel, but there are some guys out there that they could still sign, and they, you know, the Richard Sherman is still out there. Quentin Dunbar is still out there. That's a name that I that I still I keep going back to. I think Quentin Dunbar. You know, obviously, if you can get Sherman, get Sherman. But I'm a big fan of Dunbar. And he played in Washington for Joe Barry. He can play on the boundary and he doesn't seem like he's got a market. You know, he doesn't have this, this robust market out there. That's going to, you know, give him the opportunity to, you know, have all this stuff in front of him. Oh, he's going to be a starter, or whatever. No, I think Dunbar could come in and, and compete and really compete for a spot. So that's something that, that I think you can keep an eye on. Brian Poole still doesn't have a home. I think one of the best nickels in the league, um, Nikkel Roby Coleman, it seems like the NFL is just kind of out on him. But the longer these guys stay on the market, the less likely it seems that they're going to sign before the draft. So you can see what your options are. You can see. I mean, is Casey Hayward going to sign between now and the draft? Maybe, but maybe not. And so you have to look at the draft relative to what your options are. And I think that could color their their opinion here. Hey, you sign AJ Boye, who has some experience with the Broncos um, and, and knows the scheme on a, on a cheapish deal. You know, that could that could be the sort of veteran um, presence that can come in and, and he could compete with Kevin King. And you're you're in good shape with whoever they draft because they're going to draft someone and probably multiple people. Kevin King was not very good last year now if he can go and you know be the guy he was in 2019 and create some turnovers and some timely ones you know then then he becomes a more useful player that's not who he was last year and maybe channon sullivan who you know we saw sort of flourish in that dime safety role played some slot played some deep played some overhang I think he's he's going to be better suited in zone, and and that's why I think that this is going to be you know a good a good spot for him with Joe Barry. I think he's going to have a chance to recuperate some of his value. I don't know, you know, if, he, if he's going to be worth the two million plus that that his tender is worth right now after the draft. You know, if they could get Merrig or Molden or Holland or one of these guys who can play in the slot, maybe you just say thanks but no thanks, Chandon. Now, I'm not I'm not necessarily advocating for that. I, I still I, I think the guy that we saw, the playmaker that we saw um, in, in 2019 is still in there. I think that this that this defense could be a boon for him. I, I don't think it's going to be particularly beneficial for Kevin King. I do think it could be for Josh Jackson as well. And as I've said before, if Josh Jackson can't play in this defense, he just can't play. And. You know, that that could be the reality that we're staring down at this point. Um, I, I don't think you can factor either Josh Jackson or Kevin King into how you look at this draft because neither of them have shown anything over the last few years that says it is worth considering. All right, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, the best tasting protein bar ever. You know all about it because I won't stop talking about it. And that's because they're delicious, not just because they're paying me to say that they're legitimately delicious. And it is so funny every time that I get a note from someone, Hey, I bought these. It is always positive. Hey, you didn't, you didn't steer me wrong. These things are just as good as you said. Oh my God, I can't believe these. Hey, my girlfriend stole these. My wife can't stop eating them. My boyfriend loves that. Whatever it is, you guys are in on the bill bars. So help us pick a favorite. Help us pick the best Built Bar with Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup, cookies and cream versus cookie dough chunk. And it's a good one. It's all good. The, these matchups get harder every time. It's it's not like the Sweet 16 where when there's upsets, you might get a bad game. No, these matchups are all tough from here on out. If you want to have your voice be heard on this, you can hit us up at Built underscore Bar or go to BuiltBar.com and let us know what you think. Plus, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. Buying car parts can be a major pain. Well, not anymore with rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oils, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door and best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you all right, we've got a lot more coming up this week. Um, I'm working on that interview. I actually have a couple things brewing with interviews that I don't want to spoil because um, they're really exciting. Uh, we could be uh, we could be getting. We can be getting some players in here, and and not just Packer players, but maybe some uh, some draft prospects, some guys who could be in position for Green Bay to draft. I know you guys uh, would love to hear from the players, and so we're trying to we're trying to get you more of what you love. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay locked on Packers